Um, the title of the series this morning is called Higher Love. Are you awake? Are you ready for a good word? I'm excited to bring you a good word. This isn't just going to be a good word. It's going to be a great word. A higher love. And uh, Pastor Heidi did a remarkable job starting this thing last Sunday. And our text is found in the Gospel of John chapter 13. And I'm going to ask you to stand with everybody. Check your phones, please, if you would put them on silent. Because there will be some moments that I don't want the, 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 the concentration of the people and the move of the Holy Spirit hindered or interfered with. So we love you. I don't know who it was. It doesn't matter. Just turn your phone off, everybody. Okay? It's called The Joy of the Lord. John 13. Find a screen. Read with me, please. Here we go. Say it out loud. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. One more verse. Here we go. Your love for one another will what? Prove to the world that you are my disciples. Bow your hearts with me, please, for a word of prayer. Gracious Loving Heavenly Father, we're overwhelmed today that you have called us and chosen us. You have blessed us with this amazing thing called life. I have breath in my lungs today. You've given me another day to live. That means I have purpose. I'm alive. And I'm here to join in the eternal song of redemption and to give my praise to the God whose glory is due His name. And I ask you by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that you would move through my words, my thoughts. Lord, give me the grace to speak as the oracles of God. Holy Spirit, get in the hearing of your people. I just acknowledge now before you and everyone hearing me that I can do nothing apart from you, Jesus. And I say that, I acknowledge that because I need to remember that. It's not anything I can do. It's not my talent, my gift, my ability to speak or any of that. Jesus, I need your Holy Ghost to move over these people today and those that are listening over the internet. Lord, in a moment that you begin to just reach out and capture their hearts, and show them your amazing indescribable love. And I ask you for this. We'll be careful to give you praise and all the glory that is due your name. It's in Christ's name we pray and everybody said. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. This is our one thing. This is the part of the message. It's kind of like a chorus in a song that we'll weave back and forth through the message this morning as we bring it. And one thing that I want to bring to bear in your understanding says fruit is a product. Everybody say product. When you go into the grocery store and you're in the produce section, what's in the produce section? Fruit, vegetables, okay, living things, things that you have to be aware of their freshness, okay? Fruit is a product of an organic connection. The Bible tells us that God is love. Three things the Bible says. God is spirit, God is light, and God is love. All those appear in the letter of John as he writes, First, Second, Third John. God is light, God is spirit, God is love. Our being joined to him means his love is produced. Everybody say produce. His love is produced in us. The fruit of the Spirit is the multifaceted expression of God's higher love. Now, it's a little bit wordy today, but I just want you to grasp the general idea, the concept. Fruit is about a connection. Our relationship with Jesus is not just about fire insurance, escaping hell, or, or a house in heaven, a mansion in a corner of a golden street somewhere. 
I believe that we don't even have the ability to even expect how amazing heaven is going to be. And that's, that's amazing. That's just a byproduct. The real issue of coming to Christ is not to ensure not getting hot and not to ensure enjoying the comfort of whatever heaven's home is going to be like. But it's about a living relationship with Jesus right now. Everybody say, right now. Or in the south, it's right now. And so it's not something we wait for in the distant future, even though there is something that we do hope for. But it's about a living relationship right now. And that relationship is an organic connection that will produce the nature of God in us. God is love, and His love will be produced in us. So I want you to read it now with that understanding. Let's read it one more time together. Here we go. Fruit is a product of an organic connection. God is love. Our being joined to Him means His love is produced in us. The fruit of the Spirit is the multifaceted expression of God's higher love. Pastor Haley did a great job. I listened to the podcast, wonderful, on uh, the higher love of God last week. And she already told you the story about Steve Winwood. We, we have to go back to the 90s to get really good music. I don't know if you knew that. I'm a child kind of of the late 70s and the 80s and the 90s just in terms of the music of those eras. And Steve Winwood's a favorite of mine. He, he can tear up a B3. I don't know if you know anything about his career. Uh, great keyboard player, and uh, he did not write that song. Pastor Haley told you the story of the gentleman who basically uh, passed it off to Steve to sing. He grew up in rural Arkansas in church where his parents and grandparents would sing hymns about the higher love of God. And so his desire was to take something that would communicate to the larger population that wasn't necessarily churchy or necessarily churchy sounding, but that would communicate those same truths of the kingdom of God, the higher love that God desires for us to walk in. I believe that's important for the world to see the kind of love that we have one for another. That's exactly what Jesus just told His disciples. I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. So He comes and demonstrates it for us first. First John says... We love Him because He first, what? Loved us. So my, my premise that I'm bringing this in this morning is that Jesus didn't tell us something to do that He hasn't already done Himself and demonstrated for us and given to us. We've received it from Him. Now in turn, we give it away to others. This connection, this organic connection produces the love of God in us and it begins to demonstrate the multifaceted expression of God's higher love. Uh, point number one is that we have one fruit with many expressions. Say that with me. One fruit with many expressions. Galatians 5.22, the NLT says it this way on the screen. You don't read out loud. I'll just read it to you. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And then we have the nine fruits listed. Love, joy, peace, and a package of figs. I teach people that way. It's a way to remember all nine. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to say all nine. But if you can remember that Jesus reached for fruit on a fig tree and couldn't find it, then the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit that are listed here are, because everybody knows the first three, love, joy, peace, but then they, get, they might get patience, but then they stumble trying to remember it. So love, joy, peace, and a package of figs. PKG, patience, kindness, goodness, 
Yes, I have to look to see if it's goodness or gentleness every time. Patience, kindness, goodness, and then you have faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So PKGFGS. Say, say it with me. Love, joy, peace, and a package of figs. So the Holy Spirit produces. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Now notice when you see that, it, uh, some translations will say the fruit of the Spirit. There is that working. Yep, trying to find its spot. Maybe it's getting weak. I've got to get over here where it, I guess my battery is runt down. There it is. Uh, the, the King James says the fruit of the Spirit, and it'll have a capital S. In your, your Bible, when you see a capital S Spirit, and it doesn't have holy in front of it, the capital S assumes you know that the capital S Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you'll see a little s Spirit, which means the Spirit of man. So you don't produce this in your life of your own ability. You're not your own source. This comes from the outside of us into us. It is the work of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. He produces, He, he brings fruit in our lives, and it is the love of God in all of its expressions. Now this is what I want you to see. The but is a conjunction that is there for a reason. Because Paul has just given us the text that says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. I'm getting worn out here, are you? Verse 21, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me just give you a caveat. Does this mean that because you had an outburst of anger this week, maybe it was even last night, who knows? It probably was on the way to church for a couple of you this morning. This doesn't mean that you have been disinherited from the kingdom of God. But it means that if you continue to live a life that produces these kinds of works of the flesh, that you really can't call yourself a Christian. You might be one outwardly, externally professing, but not one who has been transformed in heart. Because if Christ is in your heart, you can't keep doing all that stuff and bear up under the weight of the convicting presence of the Holy Spirit. God will transform you. He will continue to work on you. Somebody say amen. So, if you've slipped, if you've missed it, if you've said something you shouldn't have, if you were jealous... Uh, if you were envious, if you were quarreling, if you were hostile towards somebody, or any of these other things, I'm not going to take time to name every one of them again, you heard the list. If you continue to live that sort of that kind of life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so he interrupts and he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Now I want you to note the singularity of this. The King James says, the fruit of the Spirit is... Fruit is singular. Is is the singular tense of the verb to be. Notice it didn't say the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, and a package of figs. It says the fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and a package of figs. Now, notice what it says in the NLT. It says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. It does not say these kinds, plural, of fruit. 
Okay, so you're getting like really third grade grammar on us, Pastor, for real? This is important because I want you to see that there is only one fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love. And out of that love of God flows all of the ways that love is expressed. And the one I want to talk to you today is called joy. Because joy is the excitement, the exuberance, the exhilaration, the, the, the triumph, the rapture of the love of God that has been expressed to us and then is expressed through us. It's the overflowing it's when God does a John 2 in your life and He turns your water into wine and He even injects a little bit of bubbly into it. Uh, we, 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 don't, we don't drink a lot of alcohol in our home, but we enjoyed a bottle of champagne at Christmas. And as a matter of fact, that bottle has been about a quarter, maybe a third left of it and has been in my refrigerator. Here it is, February the 10th, and I just finally poured it all out last night. I had recorked it hoping I could save it. And so I popped it open and did a little taste. Now it's flat. Lost the bubbly. That's like a lot of Christians. They're just flat. And they've lost their bubbly. And, 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 and because you, you need to pop that cork and you need to let the joy of the Lord overflow in your life. You know, if you're not careful with a bottle of champagne, I don't want to offend you this morning. If this bothers you, I'm sorry. Um, I believe the sin in Scripture regarding alcohol is drunkenness and not the drink. And if you can handle it and walk in self-control, that's the last root of the Spirit, then be blessed. If you can't, then stay away from it, okay? Um, I didn't mean to chase that rabbit, but I just felt like I need to say it for somebody in here this morning. So I want you to see that this bubbly, this joy, this overflowing is the first expression of love that we see in this list of fruit. Psalm 1-3 says, They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. How many of you want some of that? Look at your neighbor and say, i got to get me some of that. Come on, you, come on, you folk from the Delta, don't even look at me like I'm talking language you don't understand. i got to get me some of that. You know exactly what I'm saying. I need, I need me some of that. And so I need some of that kind of fruit that doesn't doesn't over-ripen and go bad. My leaves don't wither. And whatever I put my hand to, God blesses it and prospers it. How many of you know you need some of that? All right. Look at how the Apostle Paul, who, who wrote Galatians 5 and gives us love, joy, peace, and a package of figs, how he gives us the same notion, the same idea over in 1 Corinthians 13. Come on, you know it is the love chapter. You hear it read at every wedding. Wouldn't it be awesome if that couple leave, left there and actually walked in what was read over them at their wedding? Man, how different our, our marriages, our, our families would be. 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, then I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, the King James says even gave my body to be burned, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained, everybody say, nothing. Verse 4, listen. Paul begins to describe for us how love is by using these fruits that he's listed. Love is, do you know it? What does it say? Love is what? Patient. That's the fourth one. Love, joy, peace, patience. And he says, 
Love is patient, and love is, what's the next one? You know what? Kind. That's the very next one right there, patience, kindness. So he's describing for us the, the way the love of God is, the one fruit of being connected in a living relationship, an organic connection with Jesus who is the vine and we are the branches. Pastor Haley last week said, He is the root and we are the fruit. This stuff isn't produced in and of ourselves. We have to stay connected to Jesus, abiding in the vine, remaining in Him and in His Word. Then we produce much fruit. It says... Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. He starts out positively telling us what love is. And I just remembered, what was that 90s ballad? I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. That's what the world wants right there. They're crying out going, hey, we hear all this love stuff. But I, I want to know what it is. I want to experience it. It's not just love in word, but it's love in deed. Demonstrate it to me. Let me touch it tangibly. I want you to show me. That's what Jesus said. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you just, if you can just stand each other. No, if you love one another. He says it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Everybody say, no quit. There's no quit in love. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is faith-filled. It is faithful. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. And Paul concludes, we'll skip a few verses in verse 13 of chapter 13. He says three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. One thing, remember, fruit is a product of an organic connection. God is love. Our being joined to Him means His love is produced in us. The fruit of the Spirit is the multifaceted expression of God's higher love. Point number two, receiving and giving joy. Receiving and giving produces, that's the way I should have said it, receiving and giving produces joy. Now most of the time we say giving and receiving. It's just kind of the way, the order which has become acceptable. Receiving and giving even sounds backwards. Uh, we, probably because we sort of lean into the verse where Jesus said it's better to what? Give than it is to receive. And we've all been touched by finding a few extra dollars in our budget at Christmas time and buying something for a needy family and maybe even having the privilege of being able to present a toy to a child that wouldn't have otherwise had Christmas and you see the sparkle in the child's eyes, or maybe it was something needed and you see a tear roll down a cheek, and then something way, way down on the inside of you starts to bubble up. Some real people say, you know, I'm just not feeling in the Christmas mood this year, but let me tell you what will get you in the Christmas mood faster than anything, and that's when you give something to somebody else in need. When you choose to bless someone else, when you give away what you've already received, and that's the order that I want you to see this morning. Receiving and giving produces joy. Verse 9, Jesus says in John 15, red letters, so he's, these are important. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Stop right there. Now, I want you to tell me the order in which this happened. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. So which one of those loves came first? The Father loved Jesus, He received it, and then He gave out of what He had received. So receiving and giving love produces joy. The Father loved the Son, the Father sent the Son, 
The Son loved the world. And it all began because the Bible says in that famous verse that we are all familiar with, it's been on a plaque at every major sporting event for the last 50 years, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He what? That He gave. So the first law of love is giving. God is a giver, but that's secondarily because His nature is love. He is a giver because He is a lover. God so loved us that He gave to us. And out of His source, out of God as the resource Himself, He sends us Jesus because there's been, Lord knows, so much misunderstanding and misinformation and wrong ideas about God who some kind of Roman or Greek angry deity who sets up on Mount Olympus somewhere who is ready to send down a lightning bolt where a nuclear bazooka where he's just ready to blow you into oblivion because of the mistakes you made last week and people live with that kind of ridiculous nonsense on them thinking all the time that God is angry with them and God is in the hunt and he's got a target painted on their back let me tell you God is in the hunt and there's a target on you but he's here to shoot a love gun into your life I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Verse 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. And he says now, verse 11, get this key. We're talking about love, but wait a minute. I thought the title of the message was the joy of the Lord. Okay, stay with me. Here it comes. Read this one out loud with me. I have told you these things so that. Stop right there. Don't be too fast. Slow down. Everybody say, so that. So this is the why. I'm standing out here talking to you about this, sharing my heart with you, bringing you a message that began in God the Father and He gave it to me and now I'm giving it to you as He loved me so I have loved you and I have told you things, this is the why, this is, this is the purpose, this is the raison d'etre as the French say, this is the reason why I'm here, this is my mission statement, I have told you this so that, finish it, here we go, so that what? You will be filled with my joy. There it is. Love, joy. The filling, the overflowing. And this is what he says. Yes, your what? Read it. Yes, your joy will overflow. This thing will be under so much pressure it will pop the cap on your champagne bottle. There's some bubbly in it. Love will flow. There is an, there is an effulgence of it. There is a, there's an effluence. This thing is moving out of you. This thing is greater than you. I love that because greater is he that is in me than the one out there in the world who's trying to influence and get on the inside of me. I have the greater one. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. And He's producing the fruit of God's love and His nature and His character on the inside of me. Verse 12, this is my commandment, love each other. Say it with me, what? In the what? Same way that I have loved you. What came first? Me loving in the same way or He loved me? We love Him because He first loved us, First John says. Verse 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. Now, you know, I'm not going to get into that age-old Armenian Calvinistic debate. I'll just let the scripture say what it says. You didn't have anything to do with this. God picked you out before the foundation of the world. That's what the Word said. You didn't choose me. You didn't even want me. 
God knew you before you were a gleam in your mama's eye or a little glint in your daddy's eye. He knew you thousands. He knew you eons. He knew you eternities past. He looked down into 2018 and knew you'd be sitting in this room. God's love is not just a general blanket to the world. God loves you. Andy. God loves you, Shanna. God loves you, Marcus. I could stop and go around the room. Most of your names I know. Some of you are new and I don't know you. I'm telling you this morning there is a special, particular, unique love of God to you personally. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. I chose you. To the disciples, yes, absolutely. He says, I appointed you to go and produce what? Lasting fruit so that... Why? In order that, for the purpose of, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And he finishes in verse 17, this is my command, what? Say it, love each other. My goodness, what would the world be like if Christians just read the red letters? It, it, it blows my mind that so many TV evangelists continue to think they've got the book of Revelation figured out and we can't live the Gospels yet. Want to argue over the meaning of the Sermon on the Mount but they'll tell you they've got revelation figured out. Now how bass backward, I'm sorry I shouldn't have used, how, how backward is that? Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Verse 9, he says, I have loved you just as the Father loved me. Verse 12, love each other in the same way I have loved you. My contention this morning is that love that hasn't been received can't be given. If you've not been made alive in Christ, if you're sitting in this service dead in sin this morning, you, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend you, but you don't know what I'm talking about yet. But some of you can feel the, the love of God pulling on you and drawing you. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw. I will draw all men unto me. And the drawing presence of the Lord, because the gospel is being proclaimed in this place, a relationship with Jesus because of His finished work for us, you can, before this service ends, know exactly what I'm talking about because you have dipped your cup down into the well and got a good, cool drink of the living water, boys. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Love that hasn't been received can't be given. Love that has been received must be given. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So I would say that joy is the overflow that comes when love is given. It's like a, it's like a multiplication. It's an equation. When you multiply two factors together, you get a product. That's what it's called. It's a sum when you add two things. But when you multiply two things, the finished number is a product. When you receive love and you multiply that with the action of giving love, received Times given love is joy produced. It is the product. It is the overflow. I sat Friday with a new friend who called me, an influential brother in the community. I have great respect for him. Love his heart. And he was processing the emotions from loss and brokenness, from a marriage that had gone bad, from a father that had passed too soon. I was hearing him talk about it, and he used this phrase. He said, I feel God's pull in my life never felt it before in my life and we're sitting at my table at my house over a cup of coffee and he's on the other side of the table and I'm on mine and, and I had to push him a little box of Kleenex because tears were rolling down his cheeks and I said brother do you know how blessed you are that you can not only feel the pull of God but you 
you can acknowledge it. You can say, I feel God pulling me. I, feel, I said, brother, I, I'm going to go Star Wars on you here, but there's a divine tractor beam that's reached out and gotten a hold of you, and you've gotten inside the gravitational pull of God the Father, and He's drawing you ever so gently into Himself, into His own heart. You can't resist that stuff. That's more powerful than you are. Just let God pull you on in. Hallelujah. And I, I told him, I said, the last thing I'm going to do is give you a legalistic list of things you ought to be doing. Just, just enjoy the pull. Just cry out to God whenever you sense Him. Worship. Be blurted out. He was wrestling because he was just trying to present this image of strength and manhood and, and being strong and having it all figured out and, and, and just being this, this paragon of strength in the community. And he said, that's not me. He said, if people knew how vulnerable I am and how broken I am. And he said, I feel like I just need, the walls are about to crumble. He said, I just, my emotions are just seething. And, and the brother just had a release and just began to weep. And I said, man, that's, that's God. That's the Lord healing your heart, healing the brokenness. He says, I can't help but feel the pull of God in my life. And I said, brother, that's a blessing. As I was preparing for this, I read a quote that I love by George Bernard Shaw. He says, this is the true joy in life. The being used for a purpose, recognized by yourself as a mighty one. Some of you are in places of brokenness this morning and you can't get your head wrapped around the idea that God's called you to be a mighty one. But I'm telling you, that's how He sees you. The being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one. The being thoroughly worn out before you were thrown on the scrap heap and being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clot of ailments and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. Come on and preach, George Bernard. My Lord and my God, how often do we see this panty-waist Christianity? I mean, it's like George just says, come on, grow up and put your big girl panties on. It's time now. You know, it's not all about the world making you happy. But it's realizing you have a destiny on your life and you've been called for a purpose and everybody who's alive has experienced some loss and some brokenness. Fruit is a product of an organic connection. God is love and our being joined to Him means His love is produced in us. The fruit of the Spirit is the multifaceted expression of God's higher love. So this morning, finally, I have point number three and I want to finish. I want to take a moment and I want to put joy under the microscope. I've backed into this sort of backwards because I wanted to connect. It took a whole point and I wanted to connect to Pastor Haley's love last week and show you that love received and love given will produce joy and we start to see these expressions of what love looks like love is joyful when we look at the dictionary joy is defined as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness its synonyms are delight joyfulness jubilation triumph exultation rejoicing happiness gladness glee exhilaration exuberance elation euphoria bliss ecstasy rapture enjoyment felicity and on and on it goes But I want to tell you, sometimes joy can fool you because it's not all about being giddy and laughing at a joke. Joy is not just being able to appreciate somebody else's sense of humor. And I, I'm, I'm thankful for the moments that I spent with Abby this week because there were times that I held my gut and laughed so hard. 
it was healing for me to be with her and, and be with my daughter who has literally, literally been diagnosed with, what is it, PTSD? What is it? Post-traumatic stress disorder. Because of, along with me, finding her mother's body in our backyard. And I stood on the platform and it was just kind of an almost confusing set of emotions because I was crying tears of joy. I didn't look joyful, but I was crying. But there was something that was on the inside of me that was lifting me up and undergirding me from, the, from, from, from my toes on up. And I, I wasn't giddy. I wasn't laughing. I didn't feel glee. I'm thankful for the moments when I feel glee because I'm talking about a feeling. Love expressed produces feelings. But there have been moments, there have been, I'm so thankful that my bad days are not as frequent as they used to be. I have about a one bad day a month now. But there are moments when it can just wash over me and I finally have the strength that I can be in the presence of a stranger and if, 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 if the circumstance is appropriate and I have to tell them about losing my wife, then I do and I can do it and not just lose every bit of emotion that I have. I mean, first six months I cried straight. I want to tell you that joy isn't always laughing. Joy sometimes, the Bible says in Nehemiah 8 verse 10, they saw the walls of Jerusalem beginning to be restored and the peace of God coming back and protection and provision and they're celebrating and he says, you've been eating the fat and drinking the sweet. He says, I encourage you to prepare portions for those for whom nothing has been prepared. He says, because the joy of the Lord shall be your strength. Sometimes you go through hell. Sometimes you go through brokenness and loss and sadness. This week, in my own devotional time, early in the morning by myself in the hotel, I stayed the first night with Abby in her studio apartment, slept on a couch that I bought her the last trip, and I snored and she didn't sleep, and I said, okay, baby, I'll go get a hotel room. <laughs> and uh, so I'm in my hotel the rest of the week, and I'm getting up in the morning, I'm reading the Word, and I'm drinking my coffee, and I'm having a quiet time. And it just came to me. My kids are going to be okay. And to endure a family tragedy like we have, my whole, my, the weight of what I've carried the whole first year and a few months is, God's, God, I'm going to make it because I've got Jesus. I love you. I can, I can cry out to you. When the bottom drops out and I know you're there. And you know, I haven't wrestled with blaming God the way my kids have. <laughs> and my son has been mad and my daughter's been sad. Drew's put his fist through the wall and he won't mind me telling you because he's gotten help and he's better now. And Abby's cried a river of tears. And she's had a cathartic experience writing songs. She wrote this song called October Sky. Dawn was a science teacher and Every year she showed the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, October Sky, where he's playing the young Homer, the son of a West Virginia coal miner whose dad basically said, son, you were born in the coal mine, you're going to live in the coal mine all your life. And Homer was smart and he, he had an ability to grasp science and physics and all of this. And it's a true story that Gyllenhaal plays. He's, he has dreams of being a rocket scientist. And it's the true story of how Homer becomes... Uh, a scientist and becomes part of NASA. And so they're shooting these rockets. And Dawn would show it every year. It should take a week to 10 days, sometimes in the classroom, and show a little bit every day. 
and get this amazing, inspiring, motivational story into the lives of her students. And then she would start to teach the physics behind how a rocket's launched and all of these angles and all this stuff. And they would take these um, liter Coke bottles and partially fill them with water and they would, they would put fins on them and everything and they'd put them on this, this rocket launcher that was attached to a um, air, what is it called, a, a compressor. And then all of a sudden they'd push a button and it, the pressure would be let off like the champagne bottle that lets out the champagne and it push, explodes. Well, the, the bottle rocket's launched into the air and the kids are sitting out there with these little memes that they're able to look and judge the angle and everything and they're learning science and it's fun. And Dawn loved October Sky. Dawn died October the 19th, 2016. A couple of days at the house by ourselves, Abby looked at me and he said, she said, Drew and I were there. And Holly, Drew's girlfriend. And Abby said, you know, the last thing mom saw was an October sky. She wrote that in her journal and as a catharsis part of her healing God gave her some of the most amazing incredible words one of the lines is there's a picture of us on the mantle covered in a layer of dust she talks about how much she loved her mama and an October sky and the hope that she has to see her again and as she sang that at this show, I was crying tears of joy. I was crying because of my loss, and I was also joyful seeing this crowd just go wild over my baby girl. And so I was going, Dawn, why, why couldn't you be here to see this? And it's like the Lord whispered in my heart, and he said, she sees it. I don't think the dictionary does a good job telling us what joy is because it's so focused. I can't decide to have a feeling there is probably a light cloud of sadness that hangs over my life that's gradually becoming thinner and thinner but some days it obscures the sun I think I probably have a little bit of the the sad seasonal affective disorder how many of you know that how light, important light is to you in winter and I'm like throwing open the, the shades and the blinds every day and I'm walking outside and I'm trying to get some vitamin D. I'm getting out of my Jeep and I'm walking around, you know, just trying to get, get light because I know it affects me. The, the Greek word for joy in the Bible is kra. I mean, if I could give you an English so you could look at it, it would be like K-A-R-A, kra. And I remembered from a little bit in the Greek studies in Bible school Immediately I saw a pattern there and I had to go back and do a little bit of Greek studies and I remembered that the Greek word for grace is charis. Joy is kara, grace is charis. If you were to see it in English, it would be like C-H-A-R-I-S, someone who is charismatic. They've been graced with the ability to draw and attract people. They are a charismatic person. So that's the grace of God working in their lives. So joy is kara, grace is karis. And I, I said, oh, this is great. This, there's a relationship here. Now stay with me. So I, I, I did some research, and sure enough, both of them come from the identical same Greek root. So 
joy and grace are from the same family linguistically. And so what I saw in that is that joy can only come when I know God's grace in my life. And I can't know joy of the Lord that will be strength for me apart from God's gracious gift of eternal life, God's gift of Jesus to me. John Piper, who is an amazing theologian, pastor of the last 40 years, just recently retired in his 70s and still writing, still discipling great people for the ministry and for the kingdom of God. He defined joy as this, and I love it. I I think this is right on. He says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit. It's not something I can decide to do. And so I would wrap up by asking the question, is joy a choice? I can't decide to just be giddy or gleeful. Oh, I can try and look like a fool. And how stupid is it when you're under sadness and you're just trying to be silly? But I tell you what I can do. I can intentionally move myself toward what will produce joy. And and, and what I've had to see in these moments is that if all of my focus is always on what I've lost, then I'll stay sad. But if I can turn around and do what the old hymn writers said years ago, count your many blessings, name them one by one. If, If I'm in a place where joy is not flowing and I'm stopped up, Forgive my crudeness, but I'm going to use an analogy and everybody else is just going to go, oh my gosh, is he going there? Have your facilities ever been stopped up and they wouldn't flush? And you got to go? Is he saying this? Yes, he really is. It's a nat- Come on, we're human. It's a natural thing and you, you, you need a good flush. You need to rid. And sometimes we need that in our spiritual lives. We need a good emotional flush. But, but we can't because, because resentment and maybe a little bit of bitterness is kind of just blocked up the flow. And I've got to get out the plunger of thanksgiving and praise. And I've got to plunge my soul. And i got to start saying, God, I thank you for what I do have. My focus is not going to be on what I have lost and what I don't have anymore. But God, I'm going to turn around and stop focusing on the pain of this loss. And I'm going to start looking at the, the amazing gifts of God that are in my life. And I start to look at them and I start to say, thank you, Jesus, for your blessing, for, for health in my Thank you, Jesus, that my kids are going to be okay. Thank you, Jesus, that you've restored emotionalness. Thank you, Jesus, that you've provided my needs oh God I begin to praise you for who you are and I get my mind and my eyes off myself and I start to look at you and give you praise because now my heart and my soul and my spirit has been plunged with thanksgiving and praise has cleaned out the flow and all of a sudden joy begins to overflow in my life is joy a choice you know I started saying right after Dawn died I choose joy And it became a mantra, so much so that it affected a number of you. And I had three families in the church all buy me very different pieces of artwork that I have displayed in my house in three places. The Diffies bought me a beautiful, had it hand-painted by a local artist. Today, I choose joy. And I believe that I can take steps toward what will bring that joy, as I've just described.
DJ Masoner and Christy gave me a very different looking one. It's just kind of black font on a white board framed in wood and it just says choose joy period that one's in my bathroom because it it's making a command it demands me I get up out of my bed and I go that direction I see it first thing choose joy period and Anita Stone gave me a very beautiful piece hanging in another part of my house and it says I choose joy every one of them are about the choice that I make I can't choose to be giddy or gleeful or jubilant, but I can choose to look at the one who can give it to me. Because Joy Central is all about one person. I know it's a little bit cheesy, maybe it's corny to you, but Joy is a person and his name is Jesus. Joy comes when I live in this order, Jesus, others, you. When I live the sacrificial, covenantal, unconditional, everlasting love of God, I receive it into my heart and I give it back to somebody else. Then it produces joy in my life there's no feeling like the feeling that comes when you give away and you bless someone else Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord shall be your strength Psalm 16 says you make known to me the path of life you will fill me with joy in your presence on days that I don't feel joyful if I'm by my house and I've got to meet with people I'll turn on some music and I'll start to sing and the presence of God tangibly like my brother who felt the pull of the Lord, that it'll tangibly show up in my house. And guess what? When you get in the presence of God, you can't stay sad. It will bring you joy. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. King James says, in your presence is fullness of joy. One last time for my one thing and I'm finished. Fruit is a product of an organic connection. God is love. Our being joined to Him means His love is produced in us. The fruit of the Spirit is the multifaceted expression of God's higher love. You need some joy this morning? Then connected, get connected to the lovely God. This morning I just want to say to you, there's someone in this room during this service at some point in time, something I've shared has made you intimately aware of the pull of God in your life. He's drawing some of you. He's working on you. The Holy Ghost is set down right beside you. You said, no, there's somebody next to me. Yeah, well, he's, he's in the crack between you and that person. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't have to raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about. You feel him drawing. You feel, as my brother described it, as the pull of God. And it's personal. It's particular. It's specific. God, God's not got a tractor beam just on a general blanket of love over the whole world. He is uniquely and particularly and specially and specifically pulling you. This morning, I just want to say to you that if the only way that you can know the kind of love and have the kind of joy that it produces is to know Him as your personal Savior and Lord. He was bruised for your iniquities, chastised for my peace. By His stripes, we are healed. It's a gift. There ain't nobody in the room that's good enough to get it. We can't work for it. I don't deserve it. You don't. I never will. I talked to my friend this week from Knoxville, Tennessee. Preston, how you doing? And he answers the phone, better than I deserve. I said, yeah, brother, that's my testimony for sure. So this morning, you want to you taste of some of that fruit that is better than you deserve? 
then you want to meet Jesus as your personal Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As I finish this 